0: Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Hillary, and I have my wonderful wife, Laura, with me. We have traveled to Christchurch in New Zealand, and we were at Living Waters Church just on Sunday and met this epic guy called Speedy. How are you doing, Speedy? Yeah, good, thanks,
1: brother. How are you doing?
0: Very good. Thank you so much for joining us on the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm very excited to to hear what you've got to say and um yeah speedy actually you know just to give people a little bit of context speedy caught our attention um pretty quick because we got to the church and this church is i'll just describe the church for the listeners it looks like a giant circus tent (laughs) and is that something to do with the the christchurch earthquakes yeah yeah
1: okay so what happened there Um, So after the um, After the earthquakes Wes and Janet um, Found this block of land um, That was prophesied uh, Back in 1996 That they'd get And um, uh, they got hold of um, Some um, Pastors from um, Over in the states That done um, like revival Things that use these Big tents and And and, yeah, they've, they've been set up for, what, 10, 10 years now. Wow. Oh, wow. We've been based like that. So, yeah, we love it, A, eh? It's awesome. Well,
0: yeah, it looks like a like a big white circus tent from the outside. And when you go in, it it's huge mm. inside. And they got, you know, oh, there must, must have been like two or 300 people there. Mm. And it was the first time we were able to come and gather together properly as a church because um, we've been – Having these lockdowns where they've had all these restrictions on how many people can gather, and it's it's a little bit crazy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got to the church, and when we arrived, we were talking to a couple of a couple of this this one lady um, who was uh, introducing introducing us because we were new. We told her that we're you know the Jesus Meeting podcast, and the first person she said, "You know who you got to get on? Did you meet him? He was in this. He was in the parking lot. He might have." sort of directed your car i think we must have missed you i don't know i didn't quite catch you in the parking lot but she said you'll you'll know him when you see him he's got a couple of face tattoos and things like that (laughs) (laughs) um, i was like okay um sweet as and we went down and sat down and then speedy was called up to the front to pray for his friend Um, Luke was it and Luke has been sent to Invercargill in New Zealand to be do some youth pastoring down there Um, and man the power in that send was incredible Mm -hmm. but you Speedy you spoke over him and prayed with him on stage and it was really really cool Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah we hunted Speedy down pretty quickly after after the uh, service and um, we said, Speedy, uh, my name's Joel, this is Laura, can we chat with a microphone? And we want to capture your testimony, if that's okay. And um, you were keen. Mm. Yeah. Always keen, man. Always keen. Sweet. So let's just pass it over to you, and uh, you can start wherever you want. At the beginning's always the best place to start, That's what <laughs> we always say. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, here you go, Speedy.
1: Awesome. Um well my name's uh, my name's bradley speeden um, i go by speedy um i was born in Invercargill um in nineteen eighty five um into a um into a loving family um, uh three years later i had a had a little sister um my um, my parents used to both be salvation Army officers and then uh, my dad got into business and um, that sort of took up his life seven days a week um uh they they owned dairies and supermarkets and um but we we were raised in the um in the salvation army um and um and then yeah when i was oh man when i was about five years old um we we left in and and we moved to christchurch um, my parents had brought a uh, New World Supermarket, um, up here, and, um...
0: Okay, because that's pretty hard to get into, you know, financially, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, So they were yeah. pretty, pretty savvy when it comes to the supermarket business.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, Dad Dad started off in, um, just in a, in a wee dairy called Rugby Park Food Centre in Invercargill, and then went to the... Uh, like a four square, and then Yeah, up yeah, more. and just worked his way up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, no, it was it was pretty cool, and, um... So yeah, so we we moved to Christchurch when I was um, when I was five years old, and um, you know, starting a starting a new school and everything like that. Um, I, I never I never really made um, I, I never really made that many friends. Um, I, I was sort of um, you know I was sort of the the outcast, you know, because my my parents were quite wealthy, so I was always labelled the rich boy and. Um, and then yeah, we um, we ended up at um, Parklands Baptist here in Christchurch, and um, I jumped on with the with the youth group there and um, started um, started playing the drums um, for the youth band and whatnot. And that's um, awesome, bro. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty exciting. And then um,
0: I'm the drummer at City Impact.
1: Oh, so, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah such great break.
0: instrument to get into. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, hey,
1: yeah. So yeah, so that was cool. And then um we we were sorta um we had a new youth pastor coming in um to the church and, and we went to um the church he was at in Papua Nui at the time to scope him out. Um this is when I was twelve years old and um halfway through the service, um the pastor on that day stopped the meeting and he said, I've got a I've got a word for someone. He said, I'm sorry, I can't carry on and, until this person comes forth and um, everything inside of me just, just started screwing up Um, like I'd never experienced a feeling like that before and um, Screw,
0: screwing up and, and yeah, like you're like, feeling sick yeah, or yeah like I don't
1: know like, but, like, like all, hardcore all, butterflies yeah all, all my just butterflies in the in the stomach and all my muscles were just turning and I was just feeling really uncomfortable and Wow. Um, there was about five minutes silence and, and the pastor got up again. He said, look, he said, I'm sorry, but he said I can't carry on until this person comes forth and um and um and I looked at my mum and I said, I think it's me and um, you know, um I, I struggle with, you know, making friends and all that sort of stuff, so you know, it was quite hard for me to Step out of Michelle, um, mm. back then, and then, um. And
0: how old were you at this point?
1: Twelve. Twelve, yeah. yeah. And then my mum said, you know, you, you just do what you feels right. And then, mm. um, w- without even, um, without even thinking, all of a sudden I was walking up the front, um, and I now realise that when I look back, it was obviously a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this pastor um, laid hands on me and, and prophesied over my life and said that I was going to be a gerber. Um, What's it, what, what is which, a gerber? So a, uh, a gerber it comes from the the Hebrew language. It tr- translates into a strong man of God. Oh, God. Um, so yeah, so my uh, my mother was um, absolutely um, ecstatic over the moon, <laughs> pretty pretty excited and. <laughs> Um, I didn't I didn't really think much of it and then um, on on my thirteenth birthday, uh, my parents had sold uh, sold the new world supermarket in Christchurch and, um, and we shifted to Ashburden. My mum and dad had built the, um, uh, built a brand new new world in Ashburton, um, and so my thirteenth thirteenth um, birthday we we moved there and then um, I, I started. I started school um, and I was, you know, I was this wee um, punk-ass skatey kid from Christchurch <laughs> wearing my hat sideways, always had my skateboard on me, my pants hanging down round my, round my butt, walking into a <laughs> s- school full of um, rugby boys and... Um, and country kids and um totally different yeah, uh, vibe, different vibe eh? yeah, yeah so wow um and again it, it was just um you know uh, I didn't fit in um, I, I struggled to make friends and um I, I think it the uh, I was only there three days and um and I'd been um beaten up by the uh, by the local school bullies and all that sort of stuff and you know right through primary primary school and intermediate you know i, I was bullied and um, i just had this real deep fear of uh, fear of man instilled in me and um you know again this this so-called fresh start you know it was only a week and um, that, that same fear was in, instilled in me in, in this new uh this new school
0: so it was a fear that was based on moving out of somewhere where you're familiar and going somewhere where you're unfamiliar
1: nah not not even not even that it was just the fact that um no matter no matter where I went um I didn't fit in yeah um like I I never you know no matter what crowds there were within the within the schools like I didn't Um, I didn't fit into... Because it's normally those groups, aren't they?
0: You know, you've got yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. the nerdy kids and then the, the skater kids, <laughs> yeah, but there yeah. were no skater kids. No, nah, <laughs> no, nah, not an spirit
1: in me. So, yeah, so that was, um, that was a bit of a, um, yeah, I don't know, just a, a, another kick in the guts, another, you know, another notch in the belt, um, and I, you know, I just felt like I wasn't good enough, you know, because I... Um, no no one accepted me um I I was scared of everyone um you know just because I was picked on so much and then um a couple couple of days later I um I met this um so
0: were you picked on sorry I'll just interrupt were you picked on because you were you know the skater kid you're picked on because you had your your pants too low
1: yeah um a bit of that plus i i had um well i, I was labeled with a d h d when i was like seven years old i was i was quite a hyperactive kid um right. so okay. i didn't really fit into the um the mold of normality i suppose um yeah i, I sort of done um, done things to the extreme to you know mm. to try and make friends but it always always mm. went the other way mm. yeah Um, yeah, and then, um, I, I got, I got introduced to this, this group that, um, you know, they, they smoke cigarettes and, um, you know, they, they just accepted me for, for who I was. And, um, after hanging out with them for a couple of days, um, they also smoked this green stuff called, um, yeah called weed and um <laughs> man like it, it was you know i th- I thought it was fantastic you know like yeah. um i smoked it and e- every worry in my uh, you know my so-called world just just mm. disappeared i was you know i was happy i didn't mm. i didn't feel that pain or or hurt or discouragement or anything i mm. you know i just felt happy for the yeah. first time um uh, first time in my life um but yeah unfortunately unfortunately for me um that that was the beginning um to what i call the highway to hell um so would you say that you were
0: not only you're, you're at this place where you were looking for something to satisfy and that's what we did you know like mm. i mean you're picked on new place you never fit in never fit into the mold and we'd gave you an escape mm, out of yeah, that, so sure. that you didn't have to focus on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, in the in the crowd of people that were doing it, you know, they they just accepted me for for who I was. You know, they they didn't care. Yeah. You know, they didn't care what, you know, what my past was, where I came from. They just accepted me for who I was and they, you know, they had this stuff that, you know, made me feel good. It's
0: interesting that you say that because I was uh, listening to this psychologist on the podcast a little while ago and he said the number one thing that us humans crave universally is acceptance. Mm. You know, um, that's why the pandemic's been so Traumatizing mental health skyrocketers because they yeah, force for sure. people to isolate. Yeah, and in, in other words, removing them from society. Everybody yeah. though, yeah. and um, we all need like have this built-in need to be accepted. Mm. With with somebody needs to care for me. Yeah, somebody needs to feel, make me feel like I belong. I don't fit this mold, but I should. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's um, yeah, interesting that you say that. You know, like that acceptance is what. Because I'm assuming these these people, um, in Ashburton, that were giving you the weed and all that, was that the stepping stone into the sort of gang world or?
1: Yeah, so uh, well, not not really, not really at that stage. Um, for for me, um, you, you know, as I said, my my parents were um, very wealthy, so um, I, I used to steal off them. You know, steal yeah. money out of my old man's wallet, or steal this stuff and sell it. You know, so I, yeah. so I always had money for you know for the weed and and whatever else which you know attracted more of those sort of people. You know, because yeah. I, I could I could pay for it. Um, um, and then yeah, it was probably only man, it was probably only about six, six months into into school and smoking weed with these guys and all of a sudden we were... um, We were now snorting and and taking prescription pills and and huffing petrol and... um, Petrol? Yeah, man, and butane and LPG and just, like, whatever we could get our hands on to alter our minds, we... We we just done. Um, And that... That sort of led me deeper, deeper, and deeper into the into the drug world, and um, you know, got got to a point where um, you know I I had to um, go and be a criminal to you know to um, support my habit, um, mm. you know, because stealing off my parents wasn't enough. So I was out doing um, doing burglaries and you know just getting involved with um, uh, with the wrong crowd. Um, the, the only thing is, you know, well, well, I was on all these substances, you know, like I felt great and I was happy, but the deeper and deeper I got in, um, you know, I was, I was actually, I was trapped in a prison by these substances and, and when I didn't have them, even if it was only for a couple of hours, man, like just the, the hate and the anger that built up in, um, in my heart and, um, you know in in my mind, um, well, yeah it was just it was out of control because it it changes a tolerance level doesn 't it because mm.
0: like, like for example if you're, if you 're high it's somebody could almost slap you around the face and you won 't get angry yeah, right, yeah, so it builds up this fake tolerance, and then when you 're not high mm. and someone looks at you funny, yeah, you almost snap. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and you don't actually know how to handle the soberness of the world, mm. essentially. <laughs> yeah. And what the nasty things, even if it's not that nasty, we sort of
1: overreact
0: to it if if we're not used to that. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um. So yeah. So I, I left. I, I dropped out of school when I was um when I was fifteen and. Um, I went and I went and worked for my dad at the supermarket for a bit, and then um, um, and then and then went to a few few different dairy farm jobs, but um, you know, nothing nothing ever lasted long because you know I, I couldn't handle being straight. Um, you know, I couldn't handle being straight all day, so I started mm. using while I was, you know. Uh, While well, I was at work, and then I started ripping off the places I worked at to get more money for drugs and um, yeah it was it was just a uh, it was a pretty vicious cycle really and then um, when I was um, eighteen years old um, i i you know from the age of fourteen i'd I'd been in and out of court. Um, never finished a sentence without getting another one added on top of it and then uh when I was eighteen years old, I was going up on a numerous number of charges and um and I ended up um, remanded in custody for for about half a year and um and i was I was looking at about seven years prison wow. and um so yeah so that that was pretty said um, eighteen yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. So that that was um that was a pretty scary experience um for me not not only going into um into prison you know full of um the unknown but you know not not having the drugs on hand anymore too so mm-hmm. the first um first few weeks were um yeah the first few weeks were pretty shocking um but yeah a, again um in in my in my desperation, um, I, I, I called out to God, and um, so you were you are in prison at this point, yeah. And you you're crying out to the Lord, yeah, man, yeah, and um, and, and God, yeah, God drew near to me, man. He he um he heard my he heard my cry. He um, he answered my prayers, and on, mm. on the The day of sentencing my my lawyer told my parents that I was looking at about seven years prison and um and I wrote a letter to the um I wrote a letter to the judge um you know saying that um you know I'm I'm a drug addict and I just asked him, you know, when you finish punishing me, I said, Can you can you please help me? You know, I need to um, I need to get clean and sober. Uh we need to get clean off the drugs. Um, at that stage. And um, I can remember my mother. She she was sitting across in the courtroom, and she said, um, "She said all she could picture in that moment was the thief hanging on the cross beside Jesus, and how Jesus um, you Whoa. know for, forgave him of his sins in, mm. in that moment." And um, uh, much to my surprise, I, I got released um, from prison that day. Um, I was I was sentenced to eighteen months supervision, and I had to go to rehab for um, for three months and um, and get my life back on track. So uh, I ended up at the Salvation Army Bridge Program here in Christchurch, um, which I, which I um, stayed there on the residential program for three months, mm. and um, and I and I got clean and I started. Um, I started experiencing life again, um, as it, as it was meant to be, mm. um, and then the, the weekend before I got out of rehab, um, I went home, um, because the last few weeks you're allowed weekend leave, I went home to Ashburden to stay with my parents and, um, and my dad set us down and, um, and told us that he was, um, he was divorcing our mother. Um and yeah, I didn't. um, That's really hard. Yeah, I didn't know how to um, how to handle that. Um, And I was I was lucky that I had one more week in rehab to go back to. And um, mum and dad both dropped me back off at rehab, and um, you know, I got to share with the group and and my counsellors and all that, and um, and talk it through. And uh, the following weekend, I was. Um, I was released from week from rehab and um the day after i got home uh, my parents um were down in the um, down in the bedroom getting ready for something and then all i could all I could remember was hearing was all this this banging and screaming and um i had a mate visiting me at the t- at the time and and i i just remember running down to the bedroom to um, find out what was going on and um uh, my dad um my dad had come clean to my mum um he'd been having an affair uh on on her with the grocery manager um of the uh, the supermarket for uh for quite some time and um, of course my mum was um an emotional wreck and um, mm. my dad was yeah he was trying to Calm her down and um and I just I can just remember saying to them um you know how ashamed I am um you know that they're acting like this when when I've got my friend round and um and how ashamed I was of my dad and Mm. and I left and um Man, I was, you know, I was, I was so hurt. I never thought my parents, you know, I never thought my parents' marriage would come to that. I never thought that my mm. dad was capable of doing anything. And, um, you know, I, I had all this pain, and and of course, um, you know, I'd 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 just come out of rehab. Like I didn't I didn't want to go back to the drugs. Mm. Um, so I went to the bottle store with my mate and and brought a box of beer. Um. Yeah, brought a box of beer and um two hours later I was back on the drugs oh. and um except this time I had my um I had my best friend alcohol um along for the ride with me. Um and I never um I never stopped drinking um from that day. Um to the point um I was I was always I was a functioning addict I was a functioning um alcoholic um uh I was I'd spent most of my life in the um, um in the shearing sheds and um in dairy farming um but I I drink from the minute I got up in the morning right throughout the day I I'd, I'd be drinking um I'd be using drugs um on my days off I'd still be getting in, in trouble with the law. Um I'd be man, I got done drink driving, um like five. So just for a
0: timeline, you <clears throat> you're eighteen and then you had gone into prison from eighteen for seven years?
1: No, no, no. So I I skipped the I skipped the seven year lag and um well, I spent six months remanded in custody oh, yeah. and then um And they dropped yeah when when I went to the judge and said, Hey, you know, like when you finish punishing me, can you please give that's me he, help, when he, well, they dropped that on that day he decided to give me help oh, instead see. of you know, sending me back to prison. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah so yes so I ended up with eighteen months supervision and um, had to do three months rehab and oh stayed. yeah okay yep. sweet
0: well that's um just shows the amount of mercy mm. um, even from then mm. you know um, the bible talks about how much how much mercy our father in heaven has for us mm. but he actually um, there's a, a a short story of of a lady who's talking to a corrupt judge mm. and um demanding reparation demanding restoration or whatever it is just for for something and if she keeps essentially annoying him yeah he'll give in but then they compare it to the father in heaven who is the ultimate judge and mm. goes how much more merciful will our father in heaven be who loves us, yeah, exactly. rather than this judge who doesn't want anything to do with us, the earthly judge. But that's just so cool to to see a, an earthly judge giving you so much mercy mm. because he obviously saw your heart and going, "Look, I know I'm off track. Yeah. I need help." That would have been huge. Yeah, just huge. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And um, and you were on track like right up until another. I mean, wh- finding out what happened with your with your dad and all that would easily throw somebody off mm. for sure, emotionally, and and turn into whatever they can can numb them, right. um, yeah, to help them cope. So, but aside from that, you were on track.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. For a few months, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll let you carry on. Yeah. So um, uh, so yeah. So after. After that, I, um, I had to, um, yeah, not long after that, I had to, um, I had to leave, um, I had to leave Ashburden, um, and move back down to Invercargill, just because of, um, people from my past, um, Mm. that had, you know, and just the world I'd got involved in at the time, um it sort of caught up on me and um so I moved I moved down south to Lumsden, and um hmm. and it was only it's man, a tiny little town yeah, yeah 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 um and it was you know it was only a, a, a matter of days before I I'd, I'd hooked up with the the local drunks and the, hmm. the local druggies and all that and um yeah, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I lived, I lived for drugs and alcohol, man, Espe- especially the booze, eh? Like that was, yeah. alcohol was the, um, the the love of my life and if, if I didn't have it, life really didn't seem that great um, sober. Um,
0: so did you, would you think that the alcohol would be more, it was more tempting than the actual drugs or that kind of,
1: yeah, definitely. Al- you know. alcohol, alcohol. was my first love. Yeah. Um, once I once I picked it up, and um, and the drugs were just perks to, mm. you know, sort of pick up the buzz a bit. Yeah. Um, over yeah over all that time, um, as I, as I said, I you know I, I developed a lot of hate and anger, um, towards the towards the world. I. I um, I, I hated human beings I, I you know I was just angry at everyone for no reason um I become quite violent um, you know towards towards my family um, towards towards my partners towards my friends um, and and I didn't care, like, I, I didn't have a care in the world, man, um, you know, and that, and that was my motto, if I didn't care, nothing could hurt me, and, you know, yeah. and I um, I literally managed to harden my heart where that became my reality, like, I just didn't, I didn't care about anyone, I didn't care about, you know, I didn't have feelings, the only feeling I had was hate and anger. Um, and then, yeah, when, when I was in Lumsden, um, i I met the mother and my kids um and i ended up uh, we ended up having um three beautiful daughters and um and we we went um you know we were um, out on the dairy farms and all that but um uh, I and mean, it's not something i'm i'm proud of but you know i was a uh, I was a violent partner um and uh, my kids i didn't really um, I didn't really care much for them. I loved them, but, um, you know, they I just dragged them round to, um, you know, to the next, you know, the next piss-up, the next drug session, you know, just mm. whatever. Um, it, it was all about me um, and, and getting my fix. And um, when, when I oh, it was about a week before my youngest um, was born, um, she, their the mother had had enough and, and she decided to leave. And, um, again, like I didn't, I didn't care, you know, it, to me, that was, um, a license to, you know, pretty much go out and use more drugs and drink more alcohol. And I, you know, I didn't have someone to come home, um, mm. to answer to or to, you know, nag it, I didn't have to worry about taking care of my kids. It was just, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it, yeah, that but that was pretty, um, a pretty ugly part of my life. And
0: so you must have been in Invercargill for a little while, right? You know, yeah, cause yeah, three three daughters. So that's you know at least three years, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it was yeah, it was pretty much within within a th- yeah within three years. I had three daughters. Um, oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It was um yeah, it was pretty pretty forlorn. Um and then not long after they left, um I ended up getting done for my um my fifth drink driving and um that that was it. I was um I was off back to prison and um and again, the first couple of weeks in prison were, you know, pretty ugly. Coming off the drugs, and alcohol, um, but again, in, in my in my desperation, um, cried cried out to God. Wow!
0: Um, Can I ask a a question, Speedy? Um, about going back into prison and and things like that, because you so you said that it was the fifth time that you had been caught drink driving. Drink driving,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so there would have been a lot more times, mm. but it only takes one good smash, and you are did. Mm. So do you see it now as almost merciful the getting caught?
1: And oh, totally, yeah. Um, my because if that had never happened, my four, yeah, you could my, be dead. Yeah, totally. My my fourth. Um, my fourth drink driving, um, I shouldn't have walked away from i I had a bridge at hundred and sixty ks and oh my God, um, smashed it and then went flying back over the other side of the road and um, cleared a cattle underpass and it was only because of the speed that I was going um, that that I lived because if I went down into that underpass instead of clearing it, um, it would have been game over and then, Whoa. Um, that just shows
0: the yeah precision almost like that would be pretty hard to do sober Mm. to try and live that Mm. and to to be able to obviously god's hand is over you even in the darkest Mm. points yeah Yeah. to survive 160 k's an hour yeah crash drunk
1: Yeah. yeah whoa yeah yeah it was it was pretty amazing and um you know, not now that I look back on my life. You know, like there, there's multiple times I overdosed on drugs, and um, you know, I'm I'm still here to yeah, God tell the tale. So yeah. you know, um, God, yeah, God, God keeps God, God is you back, eh? All the time, man, one hundred percent. That's amazing. in um, and, and having a praying mother helps as well. Yeah. Oh, actually, <laughs> that's what I think. You know. Never
0: underestimate Mm. a praying mother. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can't remember somebody was on our podcast ages ago, and he said, "Old lady prayers, Mm. (laughs) the best." Old lady prayers are so powerful. Yeah, and you know, everyone he believes, you know, that grows up in church or has some sort of link to church. As an old lady somewhere yeah. praying for them,
1: yeah, for sure. and they are
0: powerful, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. shout out to all the old ladies that are praying, <laughs> <Yeah>. keep praying, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and, and again, as I said, I, I cried out to God when I was in prison, and um, just out of desperation, and and, um, and again, he he. He drew near to me, and I started going to church in prison, and and reading my Bible, and um, and I kept a journal on um, on how you know when when I get out, you know I'm I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna be a father to my um, to my three girls again, you know I'm yeah. um, you know I'm gonna change my life, and um. The day the day I got released from prison, man, I wasn't even out of prison for an hour and a half, and um, I walked into the uh, I was walking up the main street of Embakaga, and I walked past the Spates Ale House, and um, just as I was walking past, they brought out a sign that had the Bluff Oysters on special, and um, you know I, I'd been living on jail food for, uh, mm. for quite a while, so um, I thought it sounded you know, good, man, yeah. That sounds mean and. And I thought I'll celebrate and, and have one beer and um, yeah that 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 was it that one beer um, just turned into a um, yeah I, by the end of the day I was a drunken mess I was back on the drugs and um, wow. again I just I just carried on I, I, I didn't it just mm. consumes, doesn't it? Yeah, it just absolutely, absolutely consumes me, um, and, and you know, and many others out there. You know, addictions. Um, yeah, it's real. Um, it's That's a, why it's a prison, man.
0: I, I love this this testimony of yours. Um, you, I think you said to us, um, you're a prison of yourself mm. um, on Sunday, and that what what you went through is so important for people to hear um, mm. that there's a hope at the other end. Mm. That God, like, what do they say? You fall from grace, but to land into grace. Yeah, yeah. And God's constantly like, come on, I've got you. I've yeah, got you. The whole um, way. And, yeah, you've, yeah, it's, uh, like, I know the only reason I have so much joy listening to this, because I know you've just told me that you, you're this almost drunken idiot again. mm because I've met you now, and yeah, I know yeah. that that's not the end. The yeah. story's gotta. Yeah. Like, the. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not going to stop you because I'm excited. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <Come> on,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so um, as I said, after I get out of prison, um, drugs and alcohol were back on. Um, I man i didn't i didn't really make that much time for my kids and when I did you know it was it was pretty brief because i you know I just wanted to get yeah um, i wanted to get drunk I wanted to get smashed but you know i didn't um, i didn't really want to do that around my kids um, mm. and, and because of my past um, at the time the the only address that um, probation would pre-approved for me to live at once I got out of jail was the Salvation Army Men's Home mm. um down in Invercargill and um yeah again like ev- everyone that was in there man like mm. 90% of them were addicts um 90% of them were alcoholics mm. um and then this well, well, this woman she she was a friend of mine from the past um she she was doing um, PD next door um, at the at the Salvation Army clothing centre and um, and I, I I ended up hooking up with her and um, you know she she was into the drugs as well and
0: mm.
1: um, not not the alcohol um, so much she was more of a weekend drinker mm. um, rather than an everyday drinker but. Um, she, she was involved with one of the local gangs, man, and, um, you know, my, my whole life, you know, that, that, gang scene really, um, really appealed to me, and, um, we ended up, uh, moving in together, um, um, and getting married, and, um, and I started, um, supporting and, you know, sort of getting involved with, um, with the, uh, one of the local gangs, and, um a relationship was um just fueled by um drugs, alcohol and um and violence. Yeah. Um we we only lasted uh, well we were together for um five years, um married for um two and a half of those five years and then um again she she just couldn't um, she just didn't want to be with, um, you know, a person that was drunk and smashed all the time, that mm. had no feelings, that was violent towards her. And, um, and we separated, and as soon as we separated again, it was just another license to use more and, mm. and, and drink more. And then um, and woman, um, yeah, I, I don't... Back, back then w- women were, were just um i don't know objects f- for for my pleasure sort of thing and and um mm. so straight straight out of the marriage i just started seeing heaps of, heaps of women and, and she found out about it and um and didn't like it and uh she went to the um she went to the police and and gave them a um, a download of our, our whole relationship, and um, by the end of it, the police had enough evidence to um, charge me with ten charges, and oh. um, and I was looking at about um, <coughs> eleven to thirteen years prison. Wow, um, which was um, yeah, which was pretty scary. Um, yeah. at, at, the, at the time, I was living by myself on a um, on a farm out at Mosbyn um, I was two i c of a two thousand four hundred cow farm. I had nine staff under me um My drug and alcohol use was at a um all time high mm. and um you know uh, and of course I had this um this court trial ahead of me um which was gonna take a big hunk out of my life um and, and that that there is where, um, I finally hit my, my real rock bottom. Yeah. Um, and again, in, in, in desperation, man, I just, I just cried out to God and said, man, like if, if you're real, i you know, I need a sign, I need something. And, mm. um, two, two weeks later, this, um, this chick from Christchurch, um, she was at home with her six year old boy listening to some worship. They were laying on the floor. He was playing on her phone, scrolling through Facebook and, and seeing a photo of me and passed the phone to his mum and said, Hey mum, I think you need to message this guy and and so um, yeah, this this chick Alex, she she started messaging me and um, asking how my day was, how I knew her. I didn't know her from a bar of soap and <laughs> you know, I asked how her day was and, and she sent me through a photo. She'd been um she'd been at an old people's home praying for this old fella that was about to um, you know, about to go home and be with the Lord and and I thought, Oh, that's a bit funny and I said, Oh, you're a Christian and she said, Yeah, but don't get me started and um, you know I've remembered back to that couple of weeks ago when I'd asked God for a sign and then uh, all of a sudden this girl started sharing, she was from Imbercargill as well um, she was an ex-meth addict and um, an alcoholic and um, she'd found this fellow called, called Jesus and um, you know and, and her life had changed and you know she'd been set free and she'd found true happiness and Mm. you know, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, it just sort of took me back a few steps. And then um, I was sitting in my bedroom. You know, it was quite late at night. And um, and she messaged me and she said, um, do, do you have a Bible? And um, I, I had my Nana's Bible from, from when she'd passed away. And um, she said, I really feel God um, um, telling me to to get you to read Luke 15 um the story of the prodigal son mm. um and so I fished out Menendah's Bible and, and I, I opened it and I found the story of the prodigal son and I've read it and for the first time since I was like in primary school man since the first time I I could ever remember um I cried like I'd, I'd never cried like it in my life and um and I just felt this presence come into my room, and and I felt um, love, hope, freedom, and forgiveness. Like, like man, like I never, like I never knew it existed. Um, you know, and, and I knew, um, I just knew in that moment that that was God answering my prayer. And so, you know, to the best of my ability, in, in my bedroom that night, I, you know, I, I gave my heart to the Lord. Um,
0: wow. Just yeah, alone in your room with Luke fifteen.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so it was. Um, yeah, it was a pretty. Yeah, man. I like. I've, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. And then, I spent the next three days. Um, just out on my farm at work, just non-stop crying, man, like, you know, the (laughs) snot down the face and everything. (laughs) The the ugly cry. Yeah, (laughs) and it it was, um, I was 31 years old at the time, and it it was just like 31 years' worth of crap was just being lifted off my shoulders, like it it was the most freeing experience I've um, I've ever had. And um, I can remember the the next morning, um, you know, I I was milking... I was milking my cows and bawling my eyes out and I just said to the Lord, I said, Man, you know, what do I what do I do about these you know, these ten charges that I was going up on and um God spoke to me clear as day and, and said the the truth will set you the truth will set you free and I almost laughed at him A eh? like there was no way I was pleading guilty on on all these charges. Mm and um and oh like, true the truth as in truthful be be truthful not not the truth is in
0: the bible yeah but as be- in like wow
1: that. yeah man so um so yeah so i i, I carried on um you know and, and at the time also you know because i was pretty um i was pretty hard on my on my staff like if if they didn't um, well, actually nothing that they could do was good enough for me. I was I was always angry, um, I was always yeah. threatening them. Um, you know, had had a few altercations with quite a few of them and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I wake up the next morning and I, I was I was set free from drug addiction, I was set free from alcohol addiction, wow. um, this this hate and this anger and this you know, hardened heart that didn't care about anything was just smashed to bits and man, I just I don't know, I just loved people, I cared for people. I didn't want to use drugs, I didn't want to um drink alcohol like it was man, it was mind blowing. And then um so yeah, when I was when I was milking my cows, God said to me the the truth will set you free and I carried on Praying for for a couple of weeks, and I kept on getting the same answer over and over again, and and I rung my lawyer, and um, you know, and I told him, you know, that I'd that I'd had this encounter with Jesus, and you know, everything in my life that had changed, and how I'd been set free from addiction, hate, and anger, and um, um, and I said that, you know, I said God told me the truth will set me free, so I said I'd done all these things. Um, I said, I'm, you know, I, I want to plead guilty. And um, my, my lawyer at the time like, literally thought I'd completely lost the plot. Wow. Really? Um, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> The change was
0: just so evident. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he wouldn't and, believe it. Um, and
1: he was just like, no, nah. he was like, just stick with the not guilty plea. You know, we can fight this. And I said, no. Nah. I said, no way, man. I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to s- stick to what God told me. I said, I'm going to plead guilty. Wow. Um and anyway, two weeks after that I, I come up to Christchurch to meet this chick and her son and and, and meet her brother and, and go to their church and, and get baptized and um the, the, the night before um the night before I got baptized we we're heading round to um her brother's place which is um Luke and Lita, the couple that have just left the church. Mm-hmm. Um heading round to meet them, and and I get a phone call from a lawyer, and he said, I've just got out of the meeting um, with the Crown Prosecutor. He said, I've entered your guilty plea. He said, I don't know how it happened, but he said, they've dropped out of the charges. Wow. And, like, (laughs) man, like, I I couldn't believe it. And anyway, I hung up the phone, and and in that moment, um, that, that was my first encounter with being filled by the Holy Spirit and I can honestly say to the state, man, I've never, man, I've never been that smashed in my life. Like it, <laughs> it was no, like it was like a, like wow. another level experience, and I just, you know, just joy and laughter. Like I, I never knew it existed, man. Like it was, it was gnarly.
0: That is incredible! Wow. Yeah.
1: So um. So anyway. So I got got baptized the next day, and then went went to the uh, went to the church, which was Living Waters Christian Centre, which is now my my, um, you know my home church, my family. Mm. Um. And um. Yeah. Went went back down south, and a couple of weeks later. Um, I was going to I was going to court, but instead of on ten charges, it was two charges. Um, the Crown Prosecutor um, was still um, putting forward um, three years, four months as a um, imprisonment as a sentence indication um, in in High Court. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the judge always goes with that sentence indication. So. Um, I'd, I'd packed up my house, um, and, and, handed him a notice, um, on my farm, and I had storage and everything lined up, and, and again, I, I wrote, I wrote a judge, uh, letter to the judge that day, um, you know, explaining my, my encounter, and, um, you know, what had happened in my life since, and how I'd been set free from, um, mm. from drugs and alcohol, and hate and anger, and, um. Um, And I ended up walking out of the courtroom that day with seven months home detention, so I got to go back to my farm and unpack my house, and and (laughs) I I got to carry on working on the farm for full time for seven months. For seven months, (laughs) and then um, that is so merciful. It was crazy, bro. And then um, towards um, towards the end of my um, sentence, you know, like I'd spent. Um, quite a lot of time with with God by that stage. Um, I'd also, you know, I'd, I'd had a few slip ups, um, you know, with with the drugs, with the alcohol, um, and um, and I felt God say to me to um, to leave. At that stage, I'd been dairy farming for twelve years, and, and God told me that I needed to leave dairy farming, um, leave my old life behind, move to Christchurch, and go off go full-time ministry and man I had no idea what that looked like Mm. but I thought okay God you know you've so far you've you've known best and and um so I'll I'll stick with that um I didn't I didn't have a license at the time I hadn't had a license for about 12 years because I never a a
0: driver's license yeah
1: like I, I always drove and 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 rode bikes and everything like that I just didn't have a license <laughs> and um um and so yeah at the, at the time I I went and set my um motorbike license and I, I didn't know if it was the right thing to do man but I just started praying and asking God for a motorbike you know that that was just a real um, you know the desires of your heart sort of thing and um and then my father, who I, I hadn't had a relationship with for the majority of my life due to the mm. decisions I, I made and the lifestyle I lived, um, rang me and said that he was flying over from Australia to um to pick me up the day um, I got off home detention. He said, "I need you to go in, into town and have a look at something." And I said, "Well, I said I can't. You know, I'm on home detention. I'm mm. not allowed to go yeah. anywhere." And he said, "Oh, you'll have to jump online." And I said, "Oh, what for?" And he said, oh, "I'm coming over to buy you a brand new motorbike." And You're God, in that, yeah, and God, in that moment, showed he he answered my prayer and blessed me in the natural. Mm. Um, so I was able to trust him in the supernatural. Yeah, you know, when it when it mm. came to prayer, um, and that was also the beginning of him um, restoring the relationship with. Um, with my earthly father as well wow, so yeah, so anyway, I picked up come to Christchurch um, I was gonna go and study at laidlaw college and um and i and I got myself a job at a truck wash and man, I just got so so complacent you know I'd lived in the country the majority of my life I got so complacent with living in my town living in town I was like stuff it you know I'm going back dairy farming mm. um, yeah so I, I went went back dairy farming out at out at Darfield and um, yeah it wasn't long and I, I just started you know having a having a few drinks here and there you know because I'd had so much you know clean and sober time up by then and um, and then I started getting a um, started getting a bit lonely and all that um, you know I didn't didn't have a um, you know didn't have a partner and um, so I jumped on tinder and um, that's where I met my wife and um, we we met up and she she wasn't a believer and um and of course the the day we met, you know, we met at this cafe and and she coming on her car and then um I coming on my bike and um I'm I'm part of the Passionate Sons Ministry so we're we're a patched we're yeah. a patch ministry, so of course all she sees is this guy rolling on his bike with a patch on his back and then um yeah I started sharing my story with her and then she started you know, introduced her to the, the the church, family, and friends, and you know she she wanted what we had, um, and it wasn't long before before she gave her life to Christ as well. And um, yeah. for the uh,
0: listeners, we're gonna put a link in for the Passionate Sons. If there's some way that we can do that, we'll yeah, for sure. Have a Facebook link in the description below, so make sure you check that out. Um, pretty pretty awesome uh, patched Ministries, what I see. There's an awesome, awesome T-shirt that Speedy's wife's wearing right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. Isaiah forty-three, forty verse three. What, what is that verse? I can't remember. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That's so cool. Wow, that's on the bottom of their T-shirt, by the way. Those that are listening. Um, yeah, definitely check that out. Be quite cool. Um, yeah, so what what happened after that? Um so Tinder went well, I suppose. Yeah, t- Tinder
1: <laughs> yes. went well and um <laughs> God uses anything is yeah. what she has yeah. out. And, oh that's awesome. And I, I just knew I just knew for the first time in my life that um you know, this isn't this wasn't someone that I'd found this is a woman that God had um, placed in my life that mm. had, you know, he he, um, how how do you put it? He would predestined her. Yep. for me, as an we, obvious yeah, gift, eh? From yeah, God, and it was just, um, man, it yeah, it was amazing. You know, it was the f- first relationship I've um, ever been in that you know that wasn't. Toxic that wasn't surrounded mm. by drugs and alcohol, that, you know, it was just, um, it was right, you know. And we, mm. we, we started growing together in the Lord, and then, um, um, and then I, yeah, as I said, I, I'd, I'd had a few, um, a few drinks here and there, and then, um, I, I ended up back where I was. I ended up drinking every day for nine months solid. And, um, you know, at the end of it, for, for weeks on end, man, you know, I'd, I'd go to work in the morning, milking my cows, bawling my eyes out, just asking God to, you know, to take this off me. And then by the time I got home for breakfast, I'd be that stressed out that I'd be, you know, straight onto the bottle. Um, you know, and it just, yeah, it was just a vicious cycle, and and, and uh, again, I got to a point where I was at the end of, you know, the the end of my road. Like I, you know, I couldn't do, um, you know, I couldn't get off the drinking in my in my own strength. You know, I, I needed his his strength mm-hmm. to do it, and um, and I felt God say to me again, He's like, you know, I, I told you to leave farming once. For a reason he was like you need to leave farming for good um um and put yourself into rehab and then go full-time ministry and man like this this full-time ministry thing like man i had no idea, you know what does that mean you know i, I had absolutely no idea and so uh we had a meeting with my boss and you know i just said to him like this is this is what god's told me to do i said you know i i can't um i can't carry on um you know being being a farmer because alcohol's you know it's just such a massive part of that lifestyle Mm -hmm. yeah um you know i said i i've i've got to leave it there so And and then again, you know how how I've got a family now. I've got you know I've got a wife and and two step kids and you know how how is this Mm. gonna work? You know how Mm. how am I gonna go to rehab? How are we gonna live? How um, you know how am I gonna fund full time ministry? Yeah. and anyways, as soon as, um, and, and that, that's where God really showed me that, um, you know, obedience is key. If he tells you to do something and, you, and you're mm-hmm. obedient to a man like he, he will move heaven and earth and he will provide everything you need yeah. for that to happen. And, yeah, so good. Um, and yeah, so it did. We, we we started looking for houses. The first house that came up was this one here, which is five houses down the road from our main support. Um, you know, their wow. main support, their mentors, their you know, almost their spiritual parents, mm. you know, I could say. Um, and and then two weeks later, I, I had a date for um, for rehab, and so we moved to town. And um, again, I I, I I tried to stop drinking, but I man, I just couldn't do it. So I drank up uh, right up until the day before I went to rehab, and um. As, as soon as I stepped into, as soon as I stepped into those doors, man, it was, yeah, it was just like that chain um, of addiction had, had been cut and. Um, as and soon as you stepped into the doors of rehab. Yeah, man. Wow. And, and it was just like I was free, like there was no, it was nuts, man, there was no detox, there was no, oh, wow. there was no nothing, it was just complete and utter freedom, complete um another life and joy and yeah just what it was <laughs> before i picked the bottle up again mm. wow um
0: and in this you know so that's the that's the power of god of you saying yeah. yes i'm going to get my life back on track and god going right, i'm going to show you what i can do mm, i yeah, going to cut this sure. off
1: yeah yeah i'm going to almost shortcut you to where I want you to be yeah yeah and it was just it was an absolute yeah, miracle nothing short of a miracle and um and and the whole time man I've I've got in the back of my head you know what's this what's this full-time ministry buzz all about well what I didn't realize is that actually started the day that I stepped through those doors into that rehab center um uh, it was the, again. It was the Salvation Army bridge here in Christchurch. Um, I was only in there five days, and I was put on a behavioural contract because my my religion was having too much influence on the um, on the people that were living in the house. Um, man, I've, I've never I've never seen God move like it um, in my life. By the time I left rehab. The people that had come in and out while I was in there, like ninety percent of them were saved and baptized wow. and um, had a relationship with Christ, and it was, yeah, man, it was it was mind blowing. A, eh? absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and then I got out of I got out of rehab, and again, I just still had this real heavy weight of, you know, what's this full time ministry look like, and um, of course five days later we we went into the first lockdown and um yeah i don't know i just man i I was just real discouraged by it you know like i I was expecting exciting you know exciting things to happen and but we we were put into lockdown and me and luke um the, the first week of lockdown we, we managed to get some wood and we made up a whole heap of crosses and wrote Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you and all this on, on these crosses and we just started walking around the neighbourhood and standing out on the motorway you know for, for people to see and, um, and this one morning um, we were out walking and, and um, God said to me, he said I want you to, um, he was like I want you to keep walking this cross and I'm like yeah no that's that's what we're doing. And he said, no, he said, I want you to walk to Nelson. And I was, man, like, I was excited, eh? Mm -hmm. Like, I was pumped, eh, so pumped that I, you know, got straight home, done a Facebook Live. I'm walking to Nelson with the cross, hallelujah. Didn't even talk to my wife about it. (laughs) Um, You know, and and I thought, man, you know, I'll I'll do this in, you know, four or five days, and yeah. (laughs) Four or five days. Uh, four or yeah, five days. And so, so after oh. I put, put this post up and sat how far down did you and, think it was? Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so I've after putting this post up and then sitting down with my wife and actually working out, you know, how far it was and how long it was going to take me to walk there. Um, yeah, I sort of realised that I I'll probably bit off a bit more than I can. <sighs> I can chew so um
0: Just for those listening this is a It's a big cross it's It's not just like he's carrying a little one around It's one that's right over your back Almost like represents
1: Jesus walking to the cross Yeah yeah yeah. So um so yeah that was So anyway We just carried on walking around over Lockdown and then um When we dropped down to the First level I thought you know I better do A practice run and um So it's 37 k's from here to Darfield. So I thought I'd walk to Darfield, camp out there the night and walk back the next day with the cross. And um, by the time I got back the next day, man, my legs were like three times the size of what they should have been. I had (laughs) shin splints. I couldn't walk for five days. And then, man, I just started freaking out, thinking, I've already told all these people I'm walking to Nelson. And, you know, now I can't walk. But, um, yeah, after a week or so my, my legs come right and um and I just decided, you know, like God's God's told me to do it, let's let's do it. So um just so one I, bit at a time sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So so I hit the road. It, it took me took me three weeks um, three weeks to walk to Nelson, but you know, I, I had a few days break <laughs> here and days. there. Yeah. Gotta got share at a few churches along the way. Yeah, and, come uh, on. Man, like, even the days that, um oh, like, I've never, walking with that cross every day, like, just everything in nature, people walking past, like, God just gave me revelation after revelation after revelation, like, it wow. was, yeah, it was, it was mind-blowing, it was one of the most awesome experiences I've had in my life, and the amount of people I got to share with along the way, and just... It Just sort of
0: sounds like the 40 days in the wilderness that yeah, Jesus, that Jesus went. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, like that wasn't easy. He didn't nah. eat for 40 days. He was in the desert. He was tempted in every way. Yeah. And you're walking this cross, mm. like, taking you a week to recover for, from one day's walk <laughs> yeah. the first time. You know, like, this is a wilderness experience. But after that, man, like, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, Jesus was. Mm. And you are led into the spirit, Mm. led by the spirit, into well, your five day trip to Nelson, which was (laughs) (laughs) not five days, yeah, but still, like, I can see how it would just edify you'd be looking at everything and, yeah, just seeing. I think in the first chapter of Romans, it says, you know, for the creation of the world has made the evidence clear Mm. uh, that nobody is without excuse, that the the creation pretty much screams God's glory, Yeah. yeah, and um. You would have been watching that, were you?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. No, it was, yeah, it was amazing. And just like, um, you know, on on the, you know, because some, man, some of the days, eh, it was, you know, it it, it got pretty hard to walk. That cross got pretty heavy. Mm. But God always put his super on top of my natural um, and and made it happen. And, And just, man, the amount of people that, you know, just pulled over and, um, gave me money gave me food um, you know wow. hotels camping grounds everywhere just you know offering free accommodation like it was yeah it was amazing man wow. absolutely unreal and then um and then yeah when I when I come back from from doing that crosswalk I had the uh, opportunity of um, volunteer, volunteering as a youth support worker at um um, at Vision College here in Christchurch working with troubled teens. Um, mm. So yeah, so that that sort of um, that became my ministry um, for a season. I'd, I'd done that for about nine months, um, and then oh, what was the end of twenty. 20- the yeah, end of twenty twenty, I done a, done another crosswalk from um, Christchurch down to Mahino, just south of Omeroo, um and then come back and and um, carried on working with these kids. And then um, they they redone all their all the contracts, even even the voluntary role contracts at, at Vision College, and um, and decided that, um, that I had too much of a past um, too many, um, criminal convictions to be, um, to be working with these kids anymore, and, um, and again, man, I got, you know, I got real discouraged, eh, um, you know, I, I didn't see, um, you know, I didn't see it as an enemy tactic, I, I, you know, I, I looked at it as, um, as God, you know, I, I sort of felt let down by God, um, and, um, and then yeah, so we we had a f- yeah a few months where it was pretty quiet. There wasn't a wasn't a lot happening. But um, in in that few months, um, me me and my wife, we actually, um, had I went through quite a lot of ministry through through the church and just dealt with um, a lot of. Um, a lot of things from our past that were still attached with our life that needed to be dealt with and, um, you know, not only did we gain more freedom um, as individuals, we, we gained more freedom together as a couple, we we grew closer together in our marriage. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing and we, we ended up renewing our vows in, in front of our church family and um yeah it was really special and then um well one of our one of our friends Mikey he's with the peacemakers ministry here in Christchurch so uh they they run a food bank and um you know I just said to him well I'm I'm not doing much at the moment you know we can uh, we can give you a hand and um after a week of doing it, God just opened the floodgates, and we had all this food coming in so we we now run a food bank Wow um, for the passionate sons ministry and um yeah, so that
0: that ministry the passionate sons i hadn't really come across it before mm. is this one that um you joined or did you found it or
1: no so luke uh luke bowler um is the um well, he will He's he'll, Luke he'll,
0: Luke who's been sent off to um yeah. yep, ministry.
1: ministry. Yep. Yep. So he he um he had a vision uh from God and in this vision he, he seen um he's seen the flame um the flames which represented the um, Holy Spirit the fire of the Holy Spirit yeah. um with the cross and the in the praying hands and um in wow. um Mark three seventeen, um, where uh, um Jesus gave the sons of Zebedee mm. um the the nickname um Benarigae, um or uh Barnigues, um mm. which translates to thunder thunder, uh, sons of thunder or passionate yeah, or passionate sons. Ah. Um so that's where the name come up and then he, he got one of their mates, Uncle Maddie, to to draw you know he explained what he's seen in his vision and uncle Maddie drew up the emblem and and, and that was exactly what um, God had shown Luke mm. um, so I was I was the first one to jump on board with the um, with him in the in the ministry and it is've um, cool. we've, we've now got a we've got a crew up north Um uh we got a small well we've now got a small crew down in the cargo and we've got a small crew here in Christchurch and um every single one of us man we've all we've all come out of lives of um gangs, prison, mm. um, addiction and and we've all found life in Jesus and yeah. um yeah the the crew gets a bit messy here and there you know none none of us are perfect but um you know, we we all know the um, yeah. one that is the one that um, is, yeah. And, um, and we all we all have relationship with him. We all walk alongside each other and um, just you know just encourage each other. And and God sort of shapes and molds us and breaks things off and adds things on as as they're needed. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty That's awesome, pretty special, eh?
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Um, just listening to to your testimony here and and what you've gone through, it's um, it it reminded me of something that I read in uh, one of C.S. Lewis's books, The Screwtape Letters. Mm. And it's, it, um, I'm not sure if you've ever read that book, but it's a book that is written from the the demons' perspective towards Whoa. us. Yeah, um, highly recommend it. But one part of it is uh, this, this demon, his name's Screwtape. And he, um, sorry, or Wormtail or something. Mm. And he uh, is talking about um, how you want to get your patients, is what they call us Christians mm. or, or people in the world, you want to torment them to the point where they don't quite hit rock bottom they just get to the miserable stage Mm. because when they hit rock bottom, Mm. that's when they fall to their knees and they cry out to God. And I I see that so much in your testimony. Mm. It was like the spiritual, there's a lot going on in the spiritual that we don't see. Oh, totally. Angelic and demonic. Mm. And you're living your life here and, and you know there's there's a spirit of of you know alcoholism and drugs and and they they're they're actually these forces pulling us and attracting us towards these things mm. and I see them trying to get you to this point where you're where you're you're low you're not effective mm. you're effective to be destructive to other people mm. and but don't get him low enough that he falls to his knees, yeah. But God's grace almost throws you in prison mm. and you fall to your knees. So it looks like a, like a, a worst-case scenario. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is from the demon's perspective, they don't want a worst-case scenario because mm. that's when God is strong. That's yeah. when you fall to your knees and you find Christ. Yeah. And they just want you to, to maintain that, that level of misery, to continue to wreak, wreak havoc. And, um, yeah, I just, I just really wanted to point that out. Like, it, like, it was really, really cool. And, and the other thing is, is you live in this, this world and, and now you've got this awesome ministry. And, I mean, a lot of us think, you know, I need to go to Bible college. I need to do all this to be effective, to, to qualify. And a a great quote that I love to live by because, I mean, I'm not qualified in really anything. Yeah. And, um, as God doesn't call the qualified, mm. but He qualifies the called. Yeah. Amen, and um, I see that so much in you. Like mm. you are fully qualified, mm. and you like God has put this purpose burning inside of you, mm. and and you can see it. Like it's like a light in your eyes. You know, like it's not dull,
1: yeah, yeah, um,
0: but it's vibrant and alive. And there's a Holy Spirit living in you that's mm. speaking out. That's that's, you know, transparent. I, and and, and the, the strongest part about you is I am broken. Mm. And, and now God has, has fixed me. Mm. Um, I said this, and, and the listeners probably get sick of me saying this, um, but there's this awesome Japanese tradition with, with um, pottery and there these vases and, and they break. But what they do is they they put them back together and they seal them with gold. Mm, yeah, and yeah. when they're together, they're more beautiful and stronger because the gold absorbs impact than ever before. Yeah. So to to become that, they had to be broken to become stronger. They had to go through that, and I, I see that so clearly in your life and and your testimony. And it's yeah yeah you might have man you've been in that ring with the devil for a long time (laughs) but man you came out strong Mm. (laughs) you you come out swinging that's for sure Mm. and um yeah just really really cool to hear that
1: Mm. oh glory to god brother yeah
0: Mm. so the end of where you got to now you've just walked that um gone to nelson (laughs) with the cross yeah that that and you're with the passionate sons now? Yeah, with with the Passionate the food Sons. Bank.
1: Um yeah, we, we, we run a food bank. Um we run a food bank Monday to Thursday. Um we also run a, a home group um, every week. Um and a long term goal which we are gonna start fundraising for um in the in the coming month is um God, God's told us to um, travel New Zealand with the cross, um, and preach, preach the gospel and, and just share what He's done. Um, you know what He's done in my life, um, and, and the same with my wife. Um, and once once the kids are out of home, that's what that's going to be our full time ministry. That's what God's called us to do is mm-hmm. to just walk New Zealand constantly with the with the cross until I can't walk any longer and <laughs> that is amazing um, preach the gospel you know I'm I'm still I'm still on a I'm, I'm still on a journey myself you know like these um you know and and I will be until the day that um I go to glory to be with him you know there's there's still areas in my life that I um you know that I have I have struggles with but um being on that on that journey with God, and you know, just through through His word and through His presence and through His spirit, you know, where we're, we're yeah. constantly being changed and challenged and sharpened, and yeah, come and, on, and everything. Um, on the end of the day, you know, because that, that's one thing, um, you know, in, in their ministry that we don't want to portray to be perfect, man, because mm. we are so far from it, yeah, but, you know, but yeah, we're. It's all about being in a relationship with the one who is. Yeah. That's so good. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um. You said before that you kind of felt let down by God when um, that door closed or that you couldn't help with the youth anymore at um the high school, was it? Mm. Um, yeah. They said that you had too much of a past or something, and you felt quite let down from God. Mm. Do you still feel the same way or are you kind of like not glad but, you know, see the reason behind it?
1: Yeah, I def- definitely see the reason behind mm. it, and I also see that it's not—it's not actually God letting me down; it's mm. the devil trying to rob me mm. of of what God has in store for me next. Yeah. You know that—that's one thing I've—I've I've really learnt in in my walk so far is that um, there's seasons. You know, they things come and things go, but yeah. you know, it's normally. Um, It's normally for a reason, you know, God, God's always opening doors. And when he shuts one, you know, there's a, there's always something better Mm. to move on to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you you say, you know, it's just, just the devil trying to, trying to steal from me again, Mm. trying to rob you. And um, if you, if you think about it, you know, many people listening to this podcast right now, you know, they might, might have felt robbed or, or whatever it is from, from the devil, Um, because we all know he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, Scripture tells us that. But a thief only steals when they see value. So when you've got this attack from the the devil trying to rob you in your life, the only reason that you're attractive is because there's true value in you that he's trying to take. Mm. And just to remember that, you know, any of the listeners that might feel robbed that's that's uh almost uh the bible talks about um to take challenges on with with pure joy trials Mm. on with joy Mm. um and i think that's a secret to it as well you know like if the devil has targeted you it's probably because you're a threat Mm. (laughs) which is a good thing Mm. (laughs) um but yes keep pressing into the Lord and, and, and he's, he's a lot hundred million billion times bigger than the devil. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, honestly at the, at the, end of the day, um, one, one of the, one of the main reasons that I, um, yeah, one of the main reasons that I fully believe that, you know, God, God had his hand on my life. Now that I'm at this point in my walk and looking back, God's had his hand on my life the whole time. Um, mm. There's no way I'd be here um, if he hadn't. Mm. Um, and, and also having a praying mother that, that promised when I was 12 years old that I was going to be this Gerber, this strong man of God, man. my My mum... For 19 years, day and night, man, just held on to that promise, declared it over my life, you know. Yeah. Um, that is yeah, so God, cool. God's faithful way, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, he's, he's, he's shown me that in my own, um, you know, my own prayer life as well. Mm.
0: Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Jesus Meena podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. That is an that incredible... Amazing incredible story it's definitely going to help you know many many people um in their journey and as they continue to you know seek god if they're if they're in a in a place which is dark to know that you know god's right there Mm -hmm. and um yeah he can help all of us so yeah thank you for joining us on the jesus magnet podcast also just want to have a wee shout out to hayden stewart because Uh, speedy here attends the same incredible church that was mentioned in hayden stewart's testimony so um, go check that out if you haven't heard that testimony as well because they are sort of intertwined a little bit with in the same geographical location and yeah so we'll see you next time on the jesus magnet podcast on the road and shout out uh, give us a shout out if you want to catch up with us as we travel new zealand we'd love to Catch up and find out what you're all about. will see you next time on the Jesus episode.